Hello, everyone, and welcome to the September 22nd edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. NFL legend Brad Culpepper has been sued by an insurance company in Orange County Superior Court for alleged workers' compensation fraud. Culpepper, who is now a Tampa, Florida attorney, has made a name for himself on the football field, in the courtroom, and on reality television. For nine years, Culpepper went head-to-head against some of the biggest and strongest players in the National Football League. He parlayed fame on the field into success as a Florida personal injury attorney living in a multi-million dollar Bayfront mansion. Just last year, Culpepper was selected as a cast member for the CBS reality show Survivor. And nearly four years ago, Culpepper filed a workers' compensation claim for injuries he suffered playing in the NFL. Doctors who examined him concluded that he was 89% disabled, and the insurance company, Fairmont Premier, gave him a $175,000 settlement. But what began as a claim similar to those made by other NFL players as well is now headed to court in a civil case aimed at getting this settlement money back. Attorneys for the insurance company say in this lawsuit that Culpepper lied to the doctors. The suit says he is exquisitely fit and conditioned and is not disabled. Moreover, the attorney says he is feigning injury while taking part in highly publicized athletic competitions. The suit states that Culpepper's conduct was fraudulent, deceptive, and designed to inflate the value of his claim and to take advantage of and abuse the California workers' compensation system. Culpepper's attorney, Scott Schutzman, called the insurance company's version of events exaggeration. 45-year-old Culpepper spent nearly a decade in professional football as a defensive tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, the Bucks, and the Chicago Bears. Before that, he spent four years playing for the University of Florida, becoming an All-American lineman and senior captain for the Gators. After retiring from the NFL in 2001, he got a law degree shed 75 pounds from his 280-pound frame, and became a personal injury lawyer in Tampa, Florida. In 2012, he became the lead plaintiff in a concussion lawsuit with 25 other players against the NFL. Culpepper also began practicing mixed martial arts, a sport that combines elements from a host of fighting styles. But attorneys for the insurance company say that when he was examined by several doctors in regard to his injury claim, he did not tell them about his new hobby. The suit says that had the insurer known, it would have never paid the settlement. The lawsuit alleges that Culpepper told physicians he had many injuries from head and knee trauma to neurological and vision problems. According to the suit, he reported having quite a bit of difficulty with usual work activities, usual hobbies and recreational activities, driving and sleeping, and could not sit for two hours at a time. When asked if there are things he cannot do, Culpepper testified that everything is difficult. 
In 2013, after the claim was settled, Culpepper was a contestant with his wife, Monica, on the reality TV show Survivor, Blood vs. Water, where veterans of the show compete with loved ones. He was eliminated after 14 days. Culpepper's attorney took issue with the narrative in the insurance company's lawsuit. He has multiple doctors and medical records, according to the attorney, including 14 or 15 MRIs, which show injuries to his knees, to his shoulders, and to his head. Attorney Schutzman said that the fact that his client exercises and has appeared on a reality TV show is not sufficient to prove that he was never injured or does not continue to suffer. A workers' compensation defense attorney prevailed in a disgruntled applicant's protracted civil case. Here's what happened in the unpublished case of Kabajanadian versus Miller. Masood Kapajanadian filed a workers' compensation continuous trauma stress claim in 2006. His claim was denied because his length of employment was only 177 days and less than the six months required by the labor code. Attorney Kathleen Miller served as defense counsel representing his employer, Rabobank, and its workers' compensation insurance. Miller contended Cabadjadian was properly terminated for aggression toward co-workers and creating a hostile work environment. Miller served a medical record subpoena on his medical providers seeking information about his alleged injuries. After his claim was denied, attorney Miller also prepared and filed a response to his WCAB petition for reconsideration. In 2012, Kappa Benjadian filed a civil complaint against Miller for abuse of process and breach of privacy. For the first cause of action, he alleged that Miller's answer to his petition for reconsideration falsely stated that he had tried to assault a witness during the 2011 workers' compensation hearing. Plaintiff asserted that Miller had made the false statements in the answer to retaliate against him. For the second cause of action, plaintiff alleged that Miller had wrongfully subpoenaed his medical records again as retaliation. Miller filed a special motion to strike the civil lawsuit, asserting that her litigation conduct constituted a protected activity and plaintiff could not demonstrate a probability of success. Miller submitted a declaration describing the facts of her representation during the workers' compensation proceeding, including that she had witnessed plaintiff try to assault the human resources director for Rabobank. After a hearing, the Superior Trial Court granted Miller's anti-slap motion based on a determination that Miller had met her burden of showing that her activity was protected. Kabadnijanian appealed the dismissal, which was affirmed by the Court of Appeals in the unpublished case. A strategic lawsuit against public participation, also known as a slap suit, seeks to chill or punish a party's exercise of constitutional rights to free speech and to petition the government for redress of grievances. The California anti-slap statute allows a party to bring a special motion to strike a meritless slap suit at an early stage of the litigation. 
Their protected activities include statements or writings made in connection with an issue under consideration or reviewed by a judicial body or any other official proceeding authorized by law. The activity underlying plaintiff's complaint is Miller's conduct as a defense attorney in a workers' compensation case. As such, the court concluded that plaintiff's complaint was based on acts preparatory to or in anticipation of official proceedings. The court concluded that Miller's actions were lawful and fully protected by the litigation privilege under the code section 47. And now our fraud report. The Los Angeles County Probation Department claims it reduced the cost of workers' compensation claims by one-third. Yet a review of hundreds of Probation Department workers' compensation files from 2010 through 2012 by California Public Radio reportedly found dozens of questionable cases. Chief Probation Officer Jerry Powers responded by stressing that the vast majority of workers' compensation claims are legitimate, but he has taken several steps to crack down on questionable injuries since taking office in 2011. Since then, Powers says that the number of probation staff on disability has dropped by one-third. The Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors asked him to tackle questionable claims as one of his first priorities when he came to the probation department. When Powers started on the job, 15% of the workforce, which was about 750 people, were out on workers' compensation or reassigned due to on-the-job injuries. Powers said that the problem of fraudulent claims is epidemic in the department. The number of claims skyrocketed after 2000, when probation officers became eligible for 4850 pay which is a law designed to counterbalance the risk of working in public safety with up to one year of full tax-free salary while on workers' compensation leave. Although officials there say they don't have hard numbers on the percentage of claims believed to be illegitimate. To tackle the problem, the department uh, used an investigation model first developed by the LA County Sheriff's Department. The unit that investigates claims was told to scrutinize doctors, notes, question restrictions and limitations, and if necessary, videotape staff doing things they say they cannot do. Before the change in policy, when employees were injured, they could take cruises and could come and go as they pleased. But now the department put in a requirement that they had to be home between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Probation now has a dedicated team checking up on employees who are out on workers' compensation and disability claims. The team makes home visits to make sure employees are there when they should be. It follows up on claims it considers questionable and can mount challenges based upon its investigations. Management sees qualified success in the crackdown. Powers says since he took office, the number of employees out on workers' compensation has gone down by roughly one-third, which is from about 750 people to only 500. And he says the number of 4850 cases has dropped by 25%. A 68-year-old Apple Valley man who claimed he fell and injured his knee on his way to jury duty 
and filed a workers' compensation claim has been charged with fraud. Defendant Scott Masters reported for jury duty at the Barstow Courthouse in October 2010. While walking from his car to the jury room, he claimed he took a shortcut through a planter and fell, hurting his left knee. Authorities said Masters filed a workers' comp claim through the San Bernardino County Superior Court seeking benefits for a work-related injury as a prospective juror. According to District Attorney Senior Investigator Paul DeJong, Masters retained an attorney to assist with the filing of the claim and he received medical care. Mr. Masters then allegedly failed to report prior medical conditions with his left knee and denied prior injury during his deposition and medical care. The court documents allege that Masters lied when he stated that the only body part diagnosed with arthritis in the past was the right knee and stated that he never had any type of knee pain prior to the injury at the courthouse. As a result of the failure to report a pre-existing injury, Masters was charged with nine felony counts, four counts of workers' compensation insurance fraud, four counts of perjury under oath, and one count of concealment or failure to disclose facts. Masters was arrested by DA investigators and booked into the High Desert Detention Center in Adelanto. He was released on bail the next day and does not yet have a court date scheduled. The general manager of a Southern California ambulance company pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit Medicare fraud, conspiracy to obstruct a Medicare audit, and making materially false statements to law enforcement officers. 34-year-old Wesley Harlan Kingsbury of Bloomington, California pleaded guilty to the charges and sentencing is scheduled for February 9, 2015. Kingsbury was the general manager of Alpha Ambulance Incorporated, which specialized in non-emergency ambulance transportation services. Kingsbury conspired with Alex Capri and Alensky Muratov, the owners of Alpha Ambulance, as well as the training supervisor, Danielle Medina, to bill Medicare for ambulance transportation services for individuals that Kingsbury knew did not need to be transported by ambulance. In addition, as general manager, Kingsbury instructed emergency medical technicians to conceal the true medical condition of patients they were transporting by altering paperwork and creating false reasons to justify the transportation services. Kingsbury and his co-conspirators altered patient documentation after they were notified of a Medicare audit to create false justifications for the ambulance transportation services. They used light tracing tablets to trace over original documents and create falsified patient documentation and then used a paper shredder to destroy the original patient documents. Kingsbury and his co-conspirators submitted $5.5 million in fraudulent claims. In April 2012, Kingsbury was approached by law enforcement officers and was asked to assist with the investigation into Alpha Ambulance. Kingsbury then disclosed to the owners of Alpha Ambulance the names of the law enforcement officers who were conducting the investigation and the questions they had asked Kingsbury about the company. Then he falsely denied to the law enforcement agents 
that he had disclosed that information to owners of Alpha. Capri, Muratov, and Medina pleaded guilty back in October 2013. They were sentenced to terms of imprisonment of 75 months, 108 months, and 30 months, respectively. And in regulatory news, the Division of Workers' Compensation has posted an order adjusting the Durable Medical Equipment and Prosthetics, Orthotics, and Supplies section of the official medical fee schedule. The adjustment is intended to conform the changes in the Medicare payment system as required by Labor Code Section 5307.1. The update includes all changes identified in the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services Change Request Number 8865. The order is effective for services on or after October 1, 2014 and can be found on the DWC website. It is the third Medicare update for calendar year 2014. The Division of Workers' Compensation has posted draft qualified medical evaluator regulations to the online forum where members of the public may review the and comment on the proposals. The draft regulations set forth how parties in a represented case will now be able to submit initial QME panel requests online and immediately receive a QME panel. The requesting party will then serve the panel request form, any required documentation, and the QME panel on all parties with a proof of service. The draft regulations also simplify the QME Form 105 for unrepresented injured workers. According to the proposed regulations, requests may be made 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Requests may be made on Saturday, Sunday, or a holiday and will be deemed to have been made the next business day. Requests made Monday through Friday after 5 p.m. and before 12 a.m. will be deemed to have been made the next business day, and requests made between 12 a.m. and 8 a.m. will be deemed to have been made 8 a.m. of the same business day. There is also a major change to Rule 31.1, which is the QME Panel Selection Disputes in Represented Cases section. Under the current rule, Various disputes between the parties regarding the specialties of the physicians on the QME panel were to be resolved by the medical director. The several paragraphs pertaining to this administrative function are now stricken from the new regulations. Instead, the proposed regulations simply provide that any disputes regarding the validity of the panel QME selection list, or disputes regarding the appropriateness of the specialty designation may be resolved at the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board. The division has spent the last year working hard to stay current with the increased volume of panel requests and has remained in compliance. It has further attempted to improve upon the process by creating an online system for represented parties. The forum can be found online on the DWC forum's webpage. Comments will be accepted on the forum until 5 p.m. on September 22nd. The Division of Workers' Compensation has made revisions to its copy service fee schedule regulations and is revising the proposed regulations for an additional public comment period of 15 days. 
These revisions were made following a public hearing on July 1st and a review of those comments. The proposed revisions include deleting provisions for fees incurred as a result of authorizations from the fee schedule as the fee schedule applies to records subpoenaed by copy services. It also adds a requirement for case information to be included in the bills for copy services and changing the use of billing codes to optional. The changes clarify that the claims administrator is responsible to pay the actual costs incurred for records obtained by Public Records Act requests from the Workers' Compensation Insurance Rating Bureau and the Employment Development Department. They clarify that the claim administrator is not responsible to pay the flat rate when records that are subpoenaed can be obtained through the Public Records Act or were previously obtained by a subpoena by the same party and served from the same source unless there is good cause. And finally, it proposes increasing fees for x-rays as a survey showed that these costs often exceed the official medical fee schedule. The regulations can be found online on the DWC regulations page. And a new report says that California bucks the national trend of lower state compensation rates. An improving workers' compensation market, including better policy underwriting, increasing comp premiums, and a national decline in claim frequency, is driving the National Council on Compensation Insurance Incorporated to recommend more decreases in other states' workers' compensation rates for next year. But in California, the WCIRB has recommended an increase in California compensation pre premiums. Its sister organization, NCCI, is a nationwide workers' compensation ratings and research organization. NCCI is the comp rating agency for 35 other states and the District of Columbia. It also provides a actuarial data for rate-making agencies in Indiana and North Carolina. NCCI has submitted workers' compensation advisory rate filings now in 20 states so far this year. Of those filings, 15 have been for rate decreases and 4 have been for increases. The agency requested rates remain the same in 2015 for Colorado. Major states in which NCCI has requested decreases include Illinois, which recently approved a 5.5% decrease in workers' comp rates for next year, and Oklahoma, which is considering a 7.8% decrease after the state began allowing employers to opt out of the workers' compensation system this year. Florida also is weighing a 2.5% decrease, the first potential workers' comp rate cut for the state in four years. The trend is expected to continue as NCCI continues its rate filings this season. Officials say that underwriting results are good, premium is growing, and what has been one of the great stories over the years is that lost time claims frequency has gone down. These trends are driving NCCI's rate-making this year. This is the first time in several years that NCCI advisory rates are expected to include more decreases than increases. 
Private workers' compensation insurers' combined ratios declined to 101% in 2013, compared with 108% in 2012 and 115% in 2011. Meanwhile, private insurers' workers' comp premiums grew 5.4% year-over-year to $37 billion in 2013, driven largely by payroll growth and insurer pricing increases. But in California, the WCIRB has asked the California Department of Insurance to raise the state's peer premium workers' compensation rate. A WCIRB spokesman said increased workers' comp claim frequency in Southern California played a role in its request for a rate hike. Workers' comp experts say they're not surprised that California is outside the trend of falling state workers' comp rates. The California Workers' Compensation and Risk Conference in Dana Point opened with a session featuring employers and stakeholders in the industry weighing in on the current state of California workers' compensation and future outlook for 2015. Panelists began with a look at where California workers' compensation is today. California holds a quarter of the nation's workers' compensation business. 80 new carriers have entered the California market since 2004. California is among the top three states in terms of average medical costs per claim. California has experienced double-digit increases in premiums over the last two years. Cost drivers include a high frequency of claims handling in the state relative to payroll, with Los Angeles County having the most claims in the region. SB 863 is California's answer to addressing these costs. However, it is too early to provide tangible data that supports if the reform has been successful. Some early data shows that costs related to liens are down, but costs related to independent medical reviews are significantly higher than expected. Panelists were split as to whether the SB 863 reforms have been successful. The highest costs are coming from old medical claims rather than recent claims. Panelists noted that there are still some kinks to work out in the reform. One stated that the independent medical review process is working well. On the other hand, the opioid decision-making process in place is currently not solving the costly opioid problem. Overall, people are still learning the new process, but they think that outcomes will be positive over time. They think that the measures are in place to help get the injured worker healthy and back to work. Most on the panel felt that peer-to-peer -peer review is the right approach and the system is better than it was. But the California Applicants Attorneys Association strongly disagrees and views the reform as a failure that is harming citizens. A CAW representative said that they saw more employees returning to work prior to the reform and the system is averaging 4.3 medical denials per patient. They cite the cost of administering workers' comp as one of the largest costs that a business can endure. In addition, they believe that peer-to-peer -peer review is not working efficiently. Kaw thinks that legislative efforts to reform workers' compensation is aiming at the worst-case scenarios, 
rather than the majority and therefore has not provided the best solutions for most companies. Each panelist was asked what changes they would make to the California workers' compensation system if he or she was governor for the day. Suggestions included taking a fresh look at the current 101-year-old system, which is overloaded with rules, legislation, audits, and controls. It is time to simplify a system that currently has layers of new rules on top of old rules and as a result, enormous costs related to it all. One panelist suggested that we do away with cumulative trauma, which is a major cost driver that creates complexity. Some states have already done this. Another suggestion was to make use of alternative dispute resolution. The session served as a great kickoff for the conference, providing both an overview of the current workers' compensation cost drivers and offering suggestions for improving the system. And with that story, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.